Greetings fellow captains, and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today we are featuring the French premium tier 6 destroyer, Aigle. The history of Eigel is pretty sad, somewhat tragic, because it was never really used in any combat form. Well, actually, it was used, but not as much as it should have. The French Navy did not ratify the London Naval Treaty, which means that they had no limits on how large they could build their ships. Thus, the Gupard, Agil, and Valquin, seriously, French names, uh, classes of destroyers were born. They were extremely large destroyers with really, or relatively large guns, almost like cruiser size. They had 139mm guns, and they were intended to destroy other destroyers. Because the London Naval Treaty put a limit on the tonnage that a destroyer could have, so essentially how large the destroyer could have, and the caliber of guns that it could have, Many other nations were limited to just having the limit of 1,850 tons and 130mm gun limit on their destroyers, which meant that France's being 2,441 tons and having 139mm guns meant that these destroyers were vastly superior in terms of size and armament to other destroyers and thus could take more punishment, but in turn were also a bigger target. And just because these classes of ships were so large did not mean in any way that they were slow. They had a top speed of 36 knots, and some even broke 40 knots in sea trials. Although sea trials were conducted before the armament was mounted, so majority of the weight was off of the ship at the time. But they were still very fast for their size, which meant that they could catch and kill any destroyer that they came across. In 1940, the ships of the class were modernized with sonar and depth charge throwers. However, the depth charge throwers were relatively small and did not have the necessary capacity to withstand sustained submarine attack. And their inadequate anti-aircraft defenses were not modernized in any way, leaving them extremely vulnerable to air attack. Nonetheless, super destroyers, as they were dubbed, are extremely valuable or at least were extremely valuable to the French Navy, before they suffered divided loyalties after the French surrender. Majority of the class went to the Vichy French Navy, which itself wasn't hostile to any side, but the Mali Breezy sailed under the Royal Navy under the Free French flag. These divided loyalties made it hard for either side of the war to determine whether the ships were hostile or neutral to them which is kind of why a lot of these ships were either scuttled or bombed by various sides, and they took a beating. But enough of that, let's go on to the specifications of the ship. So the name of the ship, Eagle, actually translates to Eagle in English. The ship was launched on February 19, 1931, and completed on October 10, 1932. It had a displacement of 2,441 tons standard and 3,140 tons 
full load, which is almost double the displacement that it was supposed to have if France would have ratified the Washington, or excuse me, London Naval Treaty. She was 421 feet 7 inches long, she was 38 feet 9 inches wide, and she had a draft of 14 feet 5 inches. Her power was 63,000 shaft horsepower, and that was powered by four du temple boilers. The propulsion had two shafts powered by two geared steam turbines. She was capable of 36 knots. Her range was 3,650 nautical miles at 18 knots, which is actually pretty fast. She had a complement of 230 people, and she had no armor. Or, no armor other than the metal that's on the hull. So, her armament was five single 139mm guns. She had four single 37mm anti-aircraft guns, which is basically nothing. She had two triple 550mm torpedo tubes, and she had two chutes for four throwers for 44 depth charges. In World War II, Eigel was engaged in operations to transport gold bars from France out to other countries to keep them safe, and various escort duties. One of which occurred in November of 1939. She escorted Force Z ships, which were centered around the battleship Lorraine and the two cruisers of the Legale, or two of the cruisers of the Legalsani Air class, until they reached the Atlantic. In March and April of 1940, Eigel covered and later escorted ships of Force X back into France. She was regularly deployed to escort convoys with troops heading from various North African ports to Marcel. And her last combat operation was on the night of June 13th and 14th of 1940 as part of Operation Vado. She had to fend off the attacks of Italian torpedo boats. And then when France surrendered to Germany, she became part of the Vichy France's navy and was scuttled at Toulon, or Taluan, I, okay, French port, Taluan, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, in 1942 on November 27th. She was refloated, but then sunk again by U.S. Army Air Force bombers on the 24th of November 1943 and her wreck was salvaged and scrapped, which is really unfortunate because the ship was rather technologically advanced as far as how large of its armament was, how big it was, and how fast it could go. And it was also a super destroyer, meant to destroy other destroyers, as I've said before. But it was never, its full functions were never reached, which is sad because of how special these ships were and how unique they were to France. It was a unique characteristic of the French interwar destroyers, is how large they were, how fast they were, and how hard they could hit. Only one of these ships was actually used with Allied forces, or used at all, after the French surrender, and that was Mali Brizi. I think that's how you pronounce it. But that ship was destroyed later in 1940 when a freak accident occurred on it. A torpedo tube was discharged while the torpedo tube was positioned in stowage position, which means it was essentially right over the deck. And the torpedo armed and flew out of the dispenser and onto the ship's deck, and that subsequently destroyed the ship completely beyond repair, and it was never used again, which is sad. 
But could you imagine how much these ships would have affected the outcome in the Pacific? Since they were so fast, they could have easily fended off the frequent Japanese torpedo boat and destroyer attacks on U.S. ships, which would have allowed the U.S. to advance through the Pacific faster and take control of it without losing as many lives. But anyways, I promise that the World of Warships side of these ships will be double, if not triple, as interesting as it is in real life. And it is that time, yes, the time for that dreaded commercial break. And even though cats climb back up the tree after I say it, here's a message from this episode's sponsor. Hello and welcome back to Rank Amateur. You have officially made it to the World of Warships section of this episode. Here we're going to go over Aggle's specifications in the game. To start out with, she has 17,000 hit points, which is very good for a destroyer. It's a lot more than any of its counterparts. Even the French uh, tech tree counterpart, I believe, only has 14,000 hit points. That extra 3,000 really makes a difference, trust me. Her main battery consists of five 139mm guns. Their reload time is 4.8 seconds, which is pretty good, especially if you're running Adrenaline Rush, which I really recommend because you might i mean there's a lot of hit points in the ship so you're if you take a lot of damage i'll get your reload time down significantly their 180 degree turn time is horrific at 27.69 seconds there's some cruisers that will laugh at that it is worse than japanese destroyers so yes try to keep your enemy on one side of the ship the maximum dispersion is 110 meters which is Kind of lackluster. The HE shell is pretty good. 2,000 maximum damage, which is actually great. Chance of fire caused on target by HE cell, 9%. It's pretty good. Initial HE cell or HE shell velocity, 700 meters a second. That's horrible. It's hor- it, it shoots these shells into low Earth orbit before they come back down. They fall on the target like meteors. HE shell weight is 40.2 kilograms. The AP shell damage is 2,600, but realistically you're not going to use it that much unless the target's completely broadside, because the HE shells, it, you're going to be mostly engaging destroyers with the guns. Uh, you might have some luck with the AP shell, but realistically, just if you stick with the HE and just spam that, you'll be okay. Uh, the initial AP shell velocity is also 700 meters a second, so it's also very terrible, and it's the same, or not the same weight, AP shell weight is 40.4 kilograms, 0.2 off. Now the torpedo tubes, being a gunboat, you might think it's not very good, but it's actually fairly decent. So there are 550mm torpedo tubes mounted in 2x3s, which means that there's two, tur- or two dispensers of three torpedoes, so two triple dispensers. Their reload time is 77 seconds. Their rotation speed, well, that doesn't really matter, but it's 25 degrees a second, so the 180 turn time is 7.2 seconds. That's pretty typical. This ship's maximum torpedo damage is pretty amazing. 18,400 damage. You can effectively one-shot any destroyer or tier, and you'll give cruisers and battleships a run for their money. I mean, that's assuming you can get the torpedoes off against a uh, cruiser or battleship, but they're very, very effective for deterring ships from entering your smokescreen. And wait, did I say smokescreen on a French destroyer? Yes, this is a French destroyer with a smokescreen, uh, and at that, a very good smokescreen. More on that later. And the torpedo range is 7.98 kilometers, so if you have the right captain skills, you can stealth fire your torpedoes. 
Her A defense, uh, it's laughable. It's, it, it, I would actually call it nominal. It's pretty much decoration. It's not very good at all. Maneuverability is mas o menos, so-so. Maximum, or maximum speed is 36 knots, which is pretty good. I mean, it's actually slower than the Tier 5 Pan-Asian Destroyer, uh, Jean Wei, which can do 37. But this uh, speed boost on this ship is pretty nice. You can, with a speed flag, do up to 45 knots, which is really fast for a ship of this tier. Turning circle radius, 680 meters. I think that's pretty much identical to USS New Mexico, which is the Tier 6 battleship of the u.s navy so it's really not great especially since or i mean that's because of how large the ship is rudder shift time's okay at 4.1 seconds concealment is kind of garbage because of how large the ship is it you can be you can be detected from 7.74 kilometers away which is a really far distance away for a destroyer uh, air detectability range is 3.48 kilometers yeah, it's, it's okay. So what's interesting about Agle is the fact that she's very versatile and the fact that she looks amazing, but it's a very versatile destroyer. So there's a few different ways to play it. Uh, World of Warships Wiki has it as three ways you can play it. So essentially, you can just A, be a super long-range gunboat and just spam each and everything that you see for maximum range, cruising around at 45 knots, and nothing will be able to hit you. Yeah, yeah, that kind of works. Uh, the second option is a concealment build, which you might not think is that great, but you can get the concealment down pretty far, and the torpedo um, stealth firing buffers can be pretty high in maximum configuration. So that might work a little bit, or you can do a little bit of both and have essentially everything that Agle has to offer at the cost of firing range. And you might think, well, that's that's terrible, right? You don't want to sacrifice that firing range. Yeah, but here's the thing. With a destroyer, you're kind of wanting to be on the stealthy side. And this ship's main battery range, which I believe I have neglected to tell, is 12.78 kilometers base which means that you will be detected from 12.78 kilometers if you fire a main battery shell in open water, which is an extremely long distance for a destroyer. And being as big of a target as you are, you're not going to be that hard to hit from that distance, unless you're running your speed boost and maneuvering furiously, which in that case you're going to be near impossible to hit. But if you upgrade that, you're going to be broadcasting your location in upwards of 13 to 14 kilometers when you just fire a shell, which is really not great for a destroyer. And the shell arc is so high on this ship that you're never going to hit anything at maximum range, besides a battleship maybe, or maybe a really large cruiser you might be able to hit, but you're never going to hit a destroyer. Destroyers will laugh at how high your shells go. So this ship truly excels at medium to medium long range and I, I know I just said it's never gonna hit anything at long range but it will hit stuff at around 10 kilometers or so which is like medium long range it doesn't work at close range though the the destroyer's main advantage is just how many hit points it has and just it's just it kind of can take a punch which is why it's effective against enemy destroyers because they just don't have the DPM to take you out before you can take them out because you just have that advantage of health. And you might be thinking, well, 
what's so bad about that? I mean, you can just go on close range and just kind of cock block them and be like, yeah, you can't take me out because I have so much health. Well, that may work against the Friesland, but what most destroyers except for the Friesland have is torpedoes. And by the way, you're probably not going to face a Friesland that often, but those torpedoes are like your enemy. If you're going slow at close range so you can engage another destroyer, they'll just torp you because you're such a large target. And since you're such a large target, if you even angle against a battleship, like, armor-piercing shell, or I guess a smaller battleship armor-piercing shell, or a cruiser armor-piercing shell, it will arm and detonate in your armor, causing huge chunk damage. I've been chunked for majority of my health by cruiser armor-piercing shells. And that's just another downside to being so large. But let's get into my build that I have on my ship. In slot 1, I have main battery modification 1. In slot 2, I took engine room protection. In slot 3, I took main battery modification 2, and that's going to increase the turret traverse, or actually decrease the time it takes to traverse the turrets, which is absolutely essential because of how bad the turret traverse is on this ship. I highly recommend it. And I wouldn't take uh, aiming systems modification because that's going to increase the detectability range of you when you fire your guns and just that little extra bit of range is not going to improve your ballistics because of how hard it is to hit out at maximum range in slot four i took propulsion modification one because that's going to decrease the amount of time it takes to reach full speed and this is especially useful because the ship's engine is already powerful, and this is just going to boost it to get out of smoke screens and things like that. Like, let's say you detect torpedoes come into your smoke screen, you can reach full speed pretty quickly with this modification. So, you already heard the three different ways that you can, or most people, play this ship. So, how do I play this ship? Well, I play the ship as that third option, that kind of versatile option. And my gameplay style really varies on what tier I'm playing against. Or like where my tier is in the matchmaking. If I'm top tier, then I'll just rush straight into the cap circles and bully those destroyers because they're all going to have less health than me and I can take them out easily. And you, you just have to be careful and watch out for destroy or torpedoes when you do that as the ship's large and it's hard to maneuver around torpedoes. But let's say I'm bottom tier, I'm probably not going to rush the caps as fast just because this ship's speed can get it into trouble quickly and easily overextends. So you can, especially if you use your speed boost right away at the beginning of a battle and get straight to the cap circle, you'll be kilometers, like easily like 10 kilometers ahead of the nearest support, especially if no one comes with you, and you get trapped with destroyers that are tier 7s and 8s that have similar amounts of health to you, and you can't use that great health advantage because, well, I mean, there is none. And then that gets you in trouble, and you try to smoke up, but then there's a cruiser that radars you, and you're quickly going to find yourself a trip back to port. And speaking of smoke screens, the ship has a very good smoke screen. I believe it lasts 80 seconds, but it's really good for just sitting in a smoke screen and firing out of it or using it to cover your escape. The combination of the smoke screen and the speed boost mean that you could get out of sticky situations quickly, provided that there is no radars in the match. 
Now, as to aircraft carriers, if there's an aircraft carrier in the match, and I don't, I think miraculously, I've only played like two or three matches with an aircraft carrier in this ship, but if there's an aircraft carrier, definitely stick close to those cruisers. You don't want to be too far ahead of them because you're an easy target for those rocket planes, and that's a quick way to ruin your day because you can't avoid it as easily as if you were in another destroyer with a faster rudder shift time and smaller turning circle radius. This thing excels at taking out Japanese torpedo boats. If you're in a Japanese torpedo boat and you see one of these things and it's a similar tier to you, you might want to get smoked up and running because this thing will eat you for breakfast. It's so much fun to delete those guys because they're annoying to your battleships. But back to how I play it. So I'll generally, let's say I'm in a tier 7 match, I'll head towards the cap circle, maybe not with my speed boost, so just to give the uh, other destroyers or perhaps an aircraft carrier a chance to spot what is in the cap circle so I know what I'm heading to. If it's a giant cluster of cruisers or say an Atlanta, Atlantas are like your worst enemy in the ship. If it's an Atlanta, then I'll definitely turn tail and go to a different cap. But if it's just a few uh, perhaps lower tier destroyers or same tier destroyers, I might go and contest that cap. Even if I go into the cap, dump a smoke screen, and kind of just sit in it and punish the destroyers, I will be still of use to the team. However, if I find out that there is no cap circle that is like particularly unoccupied, meaning that there's not really many people contesting it, then I'll just find an island and kind of play as though I were a US light cruiser, because you're about the size of that and the shell arcs are about the same. You can shoot out over just about any island in the game, or at least it seems like that because of the shell velocity being so low and the shell arc being so high. And for those of you who are new to World of Warships, that means that the guns will shoot, because the shells are so light, the guns have to angle their barrels up relatively high, which means that the shells are going to fly very, very high and take a long time to reach their target, which means that it's going to be hard to hit anything at maximum range. So generally, I'll just park myself behind an island and um, rain down death and destruction upon my enemies, still providing use to the team, and then maybe I'll just poke my nose out for a second spot and see if there's anything that's unspotted and uh, use that engine boost, to, or not the engine boost, but the upgrade to uh, pull back into the island and continue firing. I generally try to stay outside of or away from open water because that is when you're most vulnerable and you're going to attract most of the fire. If I'm going to have to go in open water, I try to make sure that my smoke screen is recharged and that there's as uh, few ships that I'm going to face as possible. Like I said, that battleship armor piercing is actually kind of dangerous to you and you want to stay away from it. So if there's a destroyer that's fleeing, I might fire up the speed boost and head over there at 40 knots, catch them, sink them, and then return back to the, some cover, or dump my smoke screen and try to escape. Let's say I run into some uh, light cruisers that don't have radar, obviously, and I want to get out of space. Dump the smoke screen, speed boost, out of there. Done. What I really, really try to stay away from, however, and that's how it differs me from light cruisers, is close-range engagements with pretty much anything. And that's because the turret traverse is so slow on this ship that 
almost anything, except with the exception of battleships and large cruisers, will be able to outturn your turrets, especially if you're turning to avoid incoming shells, and that is not cool. And you won't be able to shoot at them, and they'll probably torp you, especially if it's like a Japanese torpedo boat, a Pan-Asian, or a, no, not Pan-Asian, they have deep water torpedoes, but pretty much anything will tor torpedo you because you're a large target, and then they'll give you a quick trip to port. Speaking of slow turret traverse, that brings me to uh, commander skills. I currently have on my commander, since I only recently purchased this ship, it's like a four-point commander, I think, which is kind of pathetic, but I have a priority target on, which is going to tell you what ships are, or how many people are shooting at you when you're detected, or at least aiming their guns at you. I have last stand, which a destroyer must, and that's because um, it will keep your engines and rudders functioning, but with a penalty if they're knocked out. I have expert marksman. I realize that's more than four points. I'm just trying to emphasize that I, my commander's not very high points. I have expert marksman also. I also have adrenaline rush, and I'm planning to get basic firing training, um, possibly superintendent, and I'm planning on getting Concealment Expert as well, but I don't think I'm going to place any priority on getting IHE because that's going to knock your fire chance down, and that's kind of a majority of where your damage is going to come from for this ship. But it increases the armor penetration capacity, so I'm going to have to think about that and whether I want majority of my damage to come from fires or from penetrations. But for now, that's the skills I have, and... The ones that I would recommend getting first, just because it's going to uh, center around what you're going to be doing in this ship, and it's going to help out a lot. Uh, another skill that you might want to pick up is radio position finding, which shows the direction to the nearest enemy ship. But that's not going to be super duper useful, so that's probably going to be one of the last skills you get on your captain. But this destroyer is actually pretty decent without any commander skills. It's pretty reliable in doing damage in almost every respect, and it holds its own against pretty much any ship. It's something that I would def definitely recommend picking up in the armory if you accumulate, I think, 49,000 coal, which isn't that hard. It's pretty much, I would say it's worth the $19 that they're charging in the premium shop for it just because it's an enjoyable destroyer to play. It's relatively easy to play, it's a very forgiving destroyer. So it's kind of the destroyer that people should play if they're not really into playing a destroyer but still want to have really powerful torpedoes. I personally really enjoy this ship. I have not regretted at all picking it up from the armory, which is where I got it, by the way. But I think it's pretty a pretty good destroyer. I'd recommend it to anybody who's looking into starting the French destroyer lineup because it's more forgiving because of that smokescreen. And it also looks really cool. I mean, X13 pennant number, lucky 13, right? Anybody got that? I like that. But anyways, I really hope you enjoyed this podcast episode, especially since it was a little bit of a shorter episode. Or at least I think I'll have to see after I edit it and put it back together. But please do subscribe and leave a comment on my Anchor page or wherever you like. But that is all I have for this episode on the French Premium Tier 6 Destroyer Agle. Actually, the Super Destroyer. 
I guess whatever classification floats your boat. But be sure to join me next time, captains, and I will catch you then.